you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the League Podcast contains no Breaking Bad spoilers. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room full of heroes, Chris Wesseling, Greg Rosenthal, and Mark Sessler. What up, boys? Wait, again, you went in the other order, <laughs> Dan. Mixing up What's the, the order deal? on us. Well, this time I did, because you guys said it wouldn't be a big deal, but now I did it, and it feels weird, doesn't it? It, uh, it feels, to me, it feels weird, because I got named last. But that's <laughs> I okay. wasn't even paying attention. Hey. <laughs> as usual. The uh, <laughs> intro, there will be no Breaking Bad spoilers, but I will say one thing. Uh, the Around the League end around, my weekly, I guess you can almost call it a column on NFL.com, has Breaking Bad star Matt Jones, who plays Badger, He's delivering a guest rant that will be up today, Friday. That is a shameless plug. That's pretty sweet. It's cool you did that. And I was thinking everyone's so excited about it, but this group of individuals might be the least out of touch group uh, with pop culture and news in the world because only one of us watches Breaking Bad. Is that is that correct? Well, I mean, let's be honest. Yes, I watch Breaking <laughs> Bad. I'm the only one. I'm also the only one that knew about the Kenyan terrorist attack <laughs> we were discussing before the podcast. No one had any idea that even happened. Don't get all dark up well, with us. Like I said, they don't pipe, They don't break into Game Rewind to announce the Kenyan terrorist attacks. I don't have television. That reminds me of like when, I think it was the Dolphins, some <laughs> offensive coordinator was mired in a terrible season and someone asked if he had heard of Suck for Luck. This was two years ago. And it was like late November. He's like, no. It's like he's been in a cave for four months and there's no society leaking and that's where we are. The Around the League podcast where society never leaks in. Fair enough. <laughs> um, all right. Big show today. We're going to talk week four. We are going to talk Thursday Night Football. We're going to have a special guest from this hemisphere. That's all I can give you at this time. Uh, but yeah, let's start last night, Thursday night, at an electric Edward Jones Dome <laughs> in St. Louis. Uh, my hero pick went down in flames as the 49ers pretty much uh, wiped out the Rams. Greg Rosenthal, what are your thoughts about that game? I think it said more about the Rams than it did about the 49ers. I mean... We'll see how the 49ers look once they play a good team coming up. But this is two straight weeks where the Rams' offense looked like the absolute worst group in the league. And really, as a team, there's not any team playing any worse than the Rams right now than the Jaguars or the Giants. And I thought back to that Thursday night game last year when the Rams went to 3-2. and two. They beat the undefeated Cardinals. And I thought, oh, the Rams are relevant again under Jeff Fisher. But there hasn't been much progress from that point to this point. It was a depressing football game to watch from that angle. Because I feel like the Niners went in as they had to do when they took care of business. The Rams, and I had watched the, the Rams-Dallas game just before this one started and was really unimpressed with their offense and thought, listen, it was so overtly unimpressive that they were going to spend the week on primetime game coming up. They're going to change things up. We're going to see something different. But they put out, to me, what looked like almost a carbon copy game plan in terms of its inability to get the ball downfield and it starts with Sam Bradford to me 
he's clearly regressed from last year. Greg and I were talking about this. Possibly the best game of his career was against the same 49ers team last year, except they didn't have Alden Smith and Patrick Willis out of the lineup. And he played well in that game. Now he, he can't even move the ball. He isn't throwing beyond the sticks at all. At the first sign of pressure, he's, he's hitting his hot read. He's, he's just not – to me, what's the difference between Sam Bradford and Josh Freeman? It's hard to find. He's missing difference. a lot of throws. Like throws that are there. People blame – I hate it when people blame it on the coaching and the receivers. And granted, we've killed Brian Schottenheimer, and he is a big factor here. But people will say it right after a play where Sam Bradford missed a wide-open receiver. That happened three or four times. That has nothing to do with how good the players are or the coaches. Well, don't forget – yeah, I thought a, a sign of doom was in the first quarter. Bradford missed a wide-open. I'm not sure – was it Givens? It was Austin Pettis. It was Pettis' wide-open touchdown that uh, they settled for a field goal. And, uh, you know, that was just the start of a really bad night for him. I thought, Wes, you put it well – in your What We Learned, which I thought was excellent, where you said that uh, Thank you, Dan. you called it a bonanza of ineptitude by Bradford. <laughs> and, let, and I will say this also, Greg, you had said the, you know, there were a lot of defenders of Bradford, and I was shocked. I tweeted late in the game that you know, this reminds us that the Rams could have and should have drafted RG3, and I got flamed. And I was stunned by how many people came to Bradford's defense, I'm assuming a lot of Rams fans, saying, you know, RG3 would be the same way if he had no line and no running game and no receivers. And first of all, I don't agree with some, some of those assessments. Uh, but especially, I don't know where Bradford got all this rope. What has he done in his career, no, really? No quarterback in the league has more excuses made for him than Sam Bradford. Uh, you know, the offensive line for years was the excuse. The lack of playmakers. Then they go out and get Jared Cook and Tavon Austin. Chris Givens is a, is a good playmaker. They have weapons. The offensive line isn't that bad. And, you know, it just – one mistake after another, everybody just – for years, it's not Sam Bradford's fault. I think he had such a good first impression in terms of conventional wisdom in his rookie year because they really improved from the season before. But he wasn't that great his rookie year either, and it kind of got overrated, and people just thought Bradford is a good quarterback. This was not on the Rams' defense. The Rams' defense held the 49ers to 11 drives of 12 yards or less. There were plenty of chances for the Rams' offense to get back into this game. There's one thing about Bradford, and Wes mentioned it. It's And I even watched Geno Smith yesterday on a couple passes where he patiently waited for a receiver to make his complete his route downfield, and he got the ball to him in between three or four defenders. And with Bradford, it's yes, the ball's coming out quick, but it's coming out to the shallowest receiver, the first guy he sees open, and it's not even giving guys downfield a chance to make a play. And I don't know if that's the scheme or what it is, but it's really disturbing to see. That's why we have now created, in addition to the Gabbert zone, we have something called <laughs> AD F- after Dalton. Would you rank this quarterback <laughs> after Dalton? That means basically this quarterback is a problem, not a solution. Right. And, 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 and Bradford to you is, is Sam AD. Sam Bradford, as of last night, is AD after Dalton. That's fair. That hurts. And one thing I wanted to say. I, I love that, by the way. I was, after he's Dalton breaking Bradford. <laughs> breaking Bradford. <laughs> That's good. A nice tie-in. Um, one thing I wanted to say. I remember listening to uh, Lesney, the GM of the Rams. He was on the Eisen podcast. This was probably in July or August. I was listening to it for a post. And I remember thinking to myself that Lesney seemed very pleased with himself. He seemed almost a little too proud about what he had been able to pull off with all these draft picks 
And, you know, the RG3 trade was a home run for the team, and they, they stocked themselves up, and they have these talented running backs, and they got Jake Long. And I'm not so sure Les Snead is as a big a genius as he, he seemed to believe himself to be in that interview that I remember. Uh, this team seems to have some real holes. That running game is atrocious. They need a real running back. Uh, and I, I just think, you know, this could be, I think you said it, Greg, one of the worst teams in the league this year. If I was that handsome, I would be pretty proud. He's of very myself. handsome. They showed him. They showed him in his box, and he was all fired up. I was like, "Well, you still got your looks, buddy." Well, before, my wife asked who it was. <laughs> That's really? not a good sign. Before the That's game, you know, Ian Rappaport and Mike Silver had some great quotes from the Rams, their team president, who said, "If Sam Bradford wanted to do a contract extension right now, we'd sign up for it. He is our guy. There's no question." And that's great. It's good information to have from you know our network. But my thought to that was that's easy for them to say because they know it's not really something they have to deal with now. And if Sam Bradford hasn't improved by, let's say, the end of next season, that's a, that's a lifetime in the NFL. There's no way they're giving him a big contract extension. You have to play better at some point. And one more point I wanted to make before we should maybe talk about the Niners a little bit before moving on, but uh, you talked about it, Mark. On Wednesday, Tavon Austin, when is this guy going to be able to make an impact? And we saw it yesterday. They they don't know how to use him. And it was funny, and he seems to be maybe a little inside his head too. Mike, Mike Mayock referred to it when he kind of let a punt bounce. They're just That doesn't seem to be something that's working right now. Now, whether that's a long-term issue or just something that needs to be worked out in the short term, I don't know. But he is not a difference on that offense right now. Well, I think it's it's no different than the game before. They're, they have not found a way, and maybe it's part Austin, part Bradford, but Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer whatever, the scheme is not getting him open downfield. He's not a guy that's going to break tackles when he's got two or three guys on him. They've got to get him in a position to outrun, out-juke guys. And in the, in the routes, he's running like quick sideline routes. That's on the coaching staff to put him in space because he's not going to do anything in traffic. Um, one last point on the Rams because I don't really have anything to talk about at 49ers. Nothing changed yeah. no. from last week to this week. I guess we're going to belab- belabor this point a little bit. The RG3 passing him up, this, this is a franchise-changing move. If you get this wrong, it's going to end up costing you your job. How could you, I mean, to me at the time, this isn't even hindsight. At the time, I thought, why is this not more of a controversy that you just said Sam Bradford has the potential to be the best quarterback in the NFL? That was their rationale. And he had shown no evidence that he could do that. And they passed up a guy like RG3 who has a chance not only to be a great quarterback, but you saw what he did with the Redskins. He revitalized the whole, Tony Kornheiser called it the the era of unbridled optimism. That's what he could have brought to the Rams, who haven't had that since the greatest show on turf days. Wouldn't it be funny if the Redskins and the Rams both have top five picks this year because their records are so bad and the Rams take a quarterback? Take yeah. Teddy Bridgewater two <laughs> years later? Yeah. Well, maybe that could save their job, then. Okay. So that was Thursday night. Let's now move forward. Sunday, week four. Week four. So what we'll do is we've been doing every week. We'll start by picking out the four games that intrigue us most. And uh, we'll start with Mark Sessler, who chose the Dallas Cowboys heading to San Diego to play the Chargers. Well, I'm not sure it's the headline game of the week. (laughs) That's an interesting choice for you. In fact, I'm sure that it's not. And I actually, I struggle to, I'm not not a guy that loves to watch the Cowboys. Not, I think, Dan, you seem to gravitate towards the Dallas a little bit more than... They're entertaining television. Yeah, I don't find that to be the case often, but um, I, di- I watched them closely this week, and I really feel 
that last week. They did a great job. Their offensive line finally seems to have gelled to some degree, and they're still... We don't even know. Brian Waters would be... He'd just be icing on the cake if he can still play. We'll see. Uh, it's an interesting match because San Diego's defense has not been extremely impressive from what I've seen. And on offense for San Diego, uh, it looks like King Dunlap's not going to play. DeMarcus Ware is looking fantastic out of the gate. He looks completely revived in this defense, which frankly, Dallas's defense, I'm not trying to shower praise on them, but their defense is better than advertised. I don't love this matchup for the Chargers. I think that Dallas, um, I, I have a feeling they might wind up 8-8 eight and eight and win the NFC East with that record, but they have a chance right here to separate themselves from what is the rest of of a very bad division if they can take care of business. And if you're if you're a uh, Philip Rivers bandwagon guy now, and I know Mark uh, Greg is because he has a number two as his <laughs> quarterbacks in the NFL number right three. now. Number, number three. Number three. So far. Uh, you got to win this game to really cement yourself as a guy that's truly back. You're at home. You're against the Dallas team that's good but not great. Play another good game. Finish the game. Get back to two and two. And then maybe people can start getting in on the Chargers, in my opinion. I think the uh, Cowboys, we need to – Give them a little respect and not put them in with the other three in the NFC East. I think they're clearly the best, the best team in that group, and I think they've played well in every game so far. You know, I hope it's not the case, but it might be a historical precedent thing that made me take the Chargers, and this is actually a hero pick for me if they win. Again, uh, I had a hero pick with the Chargers last week. Didn't work out too well. Went Never back to the, the well, and the reason is because a lot of times after the Cowboys win a big game like that and the minute you're kind of excited about them, that's when that's when they lose. And it, I think this is an even matchup. I think the Chargers' offense has been really good this year. I think the Cowboys' defense has been really good. George Selvey and DeMarcus Ware have more pressures combined than any combination in the league. Selvey's really been good for them. And Jason Hatcher's playing well, too. Jason Hatcher's playing like a pro bowler. I mean, he, he should be recognized. Uh but I think the Chargers have played well three straight weeks. I think actually it sounds weird, but these are two of the most consistent teams in the NFL in terms of they've been about the same team each and every week. The Chargers have been very in balance where the offense is playing well, defense not so much. Wes, the game lighting up your Christmas tree this week is Philadelphia <laughs> heading to Denver to play the Broncos. Yeah, this looks like a shootout. I don't know how. We talked about this on the way up to Studio 66. The Broncos are just they're rolling over teams like a juggernaut, and they haven't had a complete game yet. I don't know how the Eagles' secondary, which is just uh, bottom of the barrel, is going to stop Peyton Manning's attack. I, I see this, whether it's in a parking lot or a football field, <laughs> I see it as a Broncos blowout. I do as well, and it, just because it's hard to envision the Broncos being held to below 30 points, if not 40. Question for you, though. Let's say... Philly goes in and gets waxed. Is the honeymoon completely over in Philadelphia for Chip Kelly if that happens? I don't think so. I don't think when you get waxed by the Broncos, you can take anything out of it. I think the Broncos are that good. And one point I forgot to mention, Philadelphia's strength right now is LaShawn McCoy. The Broncos' run defense is giving up less than two yards per carry. So that's going to be a good matchup to watch. And there's there's something special going on in Denver right now. Watching that game with Wes on Monday night, Manning is completely unconscious as a quarterback right now. I mean, I know you talk about the best quarterback season you ever saw. I think Tom Brady in 2007 to me is the standard bearer. So you can't forget that even though it's a little bit in the rearview mirror. But Manning has a chance to blow away everyone if he keeps his pace up. And I don't see why he wouldn't, to be honest with you. And the schedule is very favorable, including this game. 
I could see this game setting an NFL record for plays in a game. The the Eagles are second in the league in in pace, and that's plays you know per uh, time of possession. The Broncos are sixth. The Broncos haven't put together a complete game, so I could see the Eagles putting up 35 points in the second half, frantically trying to come back, and this game being 58 to 45. When I, when I did <laughs> fantasy with uh, Chris over at, at Roto World, I used to call it everybody in the pool game, and that means if, <laughs> if you have anyone on either of these teams, everybody in the pool. I think this is one of those games. Even Riley Cooper. Even Riley Cooper. Put <laughs> wow. him in. I don't know if we want to hang out with Riley Cooper. <laughs> Keep him out of the pool. <laughs> um, Anybody, did anybody pick the Eagles, by the way? No. Okay. I didn't think so. Lamb to the slaughter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. We move <laughs> along to Greg, who uh, chose the Saints and Dolphins on Monday night. That is a good game. It is. And one thing I'm going to be looking at is the Jordan versus Jordan matchup. Deion Jordan last week, very quietly, came in partly because of injuries to Cameron Wake or just maybe they wanted to get him more work. They're trailing in the game was very effective as a pass rusher. Cameron Jordan, as Wesling wrote about this week, thought it was a great piece about how well Cameron Jordan is playing, has been a huge difference maker, and both of these offensive lines are struggling. Miami, it's kind of gotten you know swept under the rug because they're undefeated. They are not protecting Ryan Tannehill well at all. And Drew Brees, I would say, is probably having the worst pass protection he's had that I can remember in New Orleans. So I, I think this could be a big game for the pass rushers. I have a hard time seeing Miami going into New Orleans and winning that game because they're so tough to beat there. But this is a fun Monday night game. We have not had many good primetime games this year, and I don't see any reason why this wouldn't be a close one. The Dolphins are much stronger team than last year, but they're not 3-0 and good. They've, they've stolen the Colts' luck from last year. They've just had so many things fall their way. I don't know how they go into New Orleans and win. Are the Saints 3-0 good, though? I mean, they had two last-second victories, too. I am done doubting the Saints. (laughs) (laughs) How about if Ryan Tannehill, whether or not they are a 3-0 team, in the course of three weeks has a chance to take care of Andrew Luck in a game that after watching the Colts do what they did to the 49ers, that becomes more impressive. And now, and I'm not sure it's going to happen, but a chance to knock off Drew Brees. Is that when Tannehill, who I still think is on the fringe of not really being paid attention to, becomes one of those guys that, you know, my mom knows who he is? This is it. This is his chance. You know, in his nationally televised games last year... Your mom already knows who he is. (laughs) Boom. Hey, now. (laughs) Gotcha. And your wife likes less need. It's not going (laughs) to way today. Listen, I speak honestly with my wife about anything. She just, she finds him and she found him very attractive. Yeah, we all do. (laughs) You know. Uh, (laughs) Tannehill struggled last year. Remember on the Thursday night game, he struggled against the Patriots. If he plays great on national TV, you're right, and most people don't know, this is a big moment for this entire team. If Tannehill plays well against Rob Ryan's defense and they win that game, the Dolphins are the story in the NFL on Tuesday. And what about, let's, let's go into the mind of Reggie Bush, the two teams he disappointed in the NFL squaring <laughs> off. He must be in a weird spot right now emotionally. Um, okay, uh, the game I chose, Seattle Seahawks going to Houston to play the Texans. Um, the things that jump out to me on this, first of all, Houston, which is 2-1 uh, and one, but could easily be 0-3, they need a statement game to show that they're an AFC player. Um, and if you knock off the Seahawks, that's really good. And... On the Seahawks side of it, if they go into Houston and wipe out the Texans, I am all in and excited that we have two monster NFL teams 
and there's no way the Seahawks and Broncos don't clash in February. <laughs> I'm getting excited if they take care of the Texans on the and road. And that feels like an old 1988 AFC West Week 8 matchup, but it's obviously very different because very different. we're almost 20 years after that. <laughs> <laughs> but Seahawks, Broncos, I mean, please. <laughs> Into the mind. I like that you're already penciling in the Super Bowl. No no way that doesn't happen. I just want that. I want two monster teams. And, and yes, I'm getting way ahead of myself. But my point stands, which is we know the Seahawks aren't going to lose at home. If they take care of good teams on the road, you're, deal- you're dealing with a team that's, you know, a next-level stud NFL team that we haven't seen in a while. I'm interested to see if they bring that same type of skill that they bring at home. I'm I'm a little surprised that Mark and Chris, you guys both took the Texans in this game. What what was your thinking there, Chris? Uh, the Seahawks, going back to last year, are a 500 team on the road. It remains to be seen if they they will still be that team this year. They didn't look that great in the opener at Carolina, so I think. But they won. They won a game against a decent team. They did, but they didn't play well. And to me, I think they are. I, I've said it before. They're unbeatable at home but they're a different team on the road. And I'm with Dan. I want to see the Texans have a statement game. Um, who are they? This is one team in the NFL. I don't know who they are through three games. I can't figure out why they only scored nine points at Baltimore. Um, their offense should be much better than that. And their defense played really well at Baltimore, but they had the punt return and an interception return that made the score look a little bit different. Houston can be one of the best teams. I haven't seen it yet. I just... If they don't win this game, I'll probably write them off as a team that I'll keep picking. My rationale was less complex. I thought I'd get a hero <laughs> pick by going Houston here. I came close. I still do agree, though, that Seattle... You know, I feel like we've watched Seattle dominate, and yet I'm waiting for Russell Wilson to have that game where it's like, oh, he completely carried them You know, on the road to a game they needed. And uh, I haven't seen that yet. Yet it's such a complete team. Houston's a weird one. I, I have a feeling that if, if they can take care of business, they can steal it. That's my hope. I love the Seahawks pick because these are two similar teams to me, but Seattle's better at it. And Russell Wilson uh, isn't throwing the ball very much. They've been very conservative, I would say, on offense, uh, but it doesn't matter. And the Texans, on the other hand, are an imbalanced team, whereas the Seahawks, I think, are pretty good on offense and defense. The Texans are imbalanced. They're not a good offensive team right now. They haven't been this year. Watch Houston, 8-8. Eight and eight. Where are we with Andre Johnson real quick in this? Game time decision? That, yeah. that is a big concern. I think if he's on the field, that the pairing of him and Hopkins could do a little bit of damage, but if he's not, Hopkins is in a bad situation. I don't like Schaub at all. Schaub tends to ignore Hopkins when Johnson's on the field. Schaub stinks. I mean, Schaub doesn't stink, but he's not playing well right now. Right now, he is right in that Dalton zone. I would put him... He's not AD yet, but he's he's getting close. (laughs) He's on the brink of AD. Okay, Rich, how you doing? All is well. Yeah. Hey, uh, hit the music. (laughs) (laughs) Defend your hero. Boom. (laughs) <laughs> there it is. That's our new defend the defend your hero theme. Um, thank you to Handsome Hank with that uh, spoiler alert or tease, something like that. This is where we defend our hero picks. Do people know what the hero pick are well, out there yet? We should clarify. They should know if they're listeners to the pod. But if there are new listeners, welcome aboard. And also, a hero pick is when we, the five of us, including Kevin Patra, our Chicago correspondent. Uh, when we all pick our games, if there's a game where one of us pick a team that no one else picked, that is a hero pick. 
and uh, every if you week, get it right, if you get it right, and every week. Uh, we usually, one of us usually has a hero pick, and this week is no different. We have multiple hero picks, so let's get right to it. Chris Wessling, you have the Tennessee Titans taking care of the Jets. This seems so bizarre to me that I'm the one defending this. I picked the <laughs> home team, the Tennessee Titans, against the Jets. I believe the Titans are favored. They're heavily favored. They're heavily favored, and yet you guys <laughs> like the rookie quarterback going on the road to face a Titans team that has out every team they've played so far. And it shows you the fickleness of the hero pick. It, it's really not what you would ever think. You, it's almost impossible to try to pick hero picks unless you want to be insane and pick the Jaguars to beat the Seahawks or something. A lot of times it's just the luck of the draw, and in this case... Wes, you got the luck of the draw. This is a ridiculous, a particularly ridiculous one. It and is. I'm ashamed as a representative of the rest. If I was allowed <laughs> to switch my pick, I would. But that's I don't want to defend <laughs> this pick because I shouldn't have to. So I'll just point out one thing that we should watch <laughs> in this game. Two young defensive tackles that are playing absolutely great. Jarrell Casey for the Titans, their best defensive player this year. And snacks, big snacks, yeah. Harrison from the Jets, the best run run defensive, the best uh, defensive tackle against the run this year. He and Sheldon Richardson are shutting it down. And I would <clears throat> take the Jets as a run defense over any other team in the league right now. Hmm. And I have to apologize for ripping them in August on one of these. That podcasts. seems premature. I remember. It seemed premature, and it was. Speaking of fickle, I mean, I, it makes sense I took the Jets because I had them at seven wins before the season, and you guys <laughs> laughed at me like I was some sort of your clown. Mem- your Please. memory on this is faulty. Whatever. Very, very you guys are now going. All right, all, Greg, all sit sitting, down. Greg is back up, up out of his chair. It's up not going to work out. It's not going to end well. You can barely tell but the difference between me standing up and sitting down. <laughs> and to, to Greg's maniacal point, the Jets, the New York Jets, the laughing stock of the NFL – in many people's eyes, worse, worse. Definitely, they, uh, I'm still laughing. Are at them. four quarters away from exiting September at three and one. So that's all I'm going to say. However, so, so are, are the Titans. Titans. Exactly. So is Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, but and that's Tennessee wasn't surprising. the laughing stock of the league. That every like ESPN picked the Jets as the number thirty two team in the NFL. That's because their head coach isn't a buffoon. Well, well, all I'm saying is a lot of people have to eat some crow if the Jets end up approaching. Well, New York's 500. schedule also gets. It gets rough from here on out. So this is a game almost that if they want to be taken seriously record-wise down the road, well, they need to win this game. You and I went through the Jets' schedule. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And, yes, if you don't win this game, to get to the Week 10 bye, they almost have no chance of making any type of noise if they don't win Sunday. This is a very important game. And, uh, I don't know, I think they have a real shot at it. I really do. The Titans, to me... Maybe they have a chance for some staying power, but most likely the winner of this game is the likely recipient of the 2012 Arizona Cardinals Memorial team for a team that looked okay in September and really doesn't matter. That's a fair point. Unless it's the Dolphins. The 3-0 and team. The Cardinals were 3-0 and last year, too. And then they just went in the tank. That could happen still. How, yeah, but you weren't you weren't suspicious you? of the Dolphins <laughs> the way you were of the Cardinals a year ago. This is a this Jets t- Titans thing. What are you pointing fingers at? Me? Little suspicious. Why is everyone so aggressive all He's of a sudden? Guns pointed at you. <laughs> all right, Mark, it was a tough guy. You took the Chicago Bears to beat the Detroit Lions. That's your hero. Defend your hero. That's another one where I I think I'm surprised no one else took the undefeated Bears, who frankly look legitimate to me. They look improved in in a lot of areas that kept them from being taken seriously in years past. They're blocking better. Uh, they're protecting Cutler. I think Cutler has completely bought into Tressman. 
he looks to me like a and you know listen everyone's saying this and it's it's true you can watch the games and it looks it Cutler is a different quarterback Detroit this is tough because Detroit obviously that defense has hassled Jay before it's uh, a lot going on there on the defensive line I don't like uh, the idea of Nadama Kinsu chasing Jay Cutler down you know game long but right. the Bears also have a defense that can take care of Matthew Stafford who I believe is still. 1-22 against teams that finished with a winning record. This shows, by the way, ATL, and I'm not really a, a member of this club, but at the same time I picked the Lions, so I guess on some level I am. ATL loves the Detroit Lions this season, we and do. I feel like we're, we continue to defend them, and they better win this game or it's going to be a lot, a lot of questions why we feel so strongly about this team. What's not to like so far? I mean, they lost in Arizona, but they were playing pretty well. There was a weird, weird game. So far, you're right. My feelings on the Lions go as Reggie Bush goes. They lost the Cardinals game because Bush got injured and didn't play the second half. And we talked about this in the newsroom. I would not have picked the Lions to win this week if I thought Bush was not going to play. I think he's that important to their offense as a second playmaker to Calvin Johnson. And they play off each other now. They help each other by creating space. And if Bush is out of lineup, they don't have that. Cutler getting a lot of deserved love for improving with Mark Tressman because that's a good storyline. But Matthew Stafford, so far this season, looks better, and this is a big test for him. I think he's played better this year than he did and last year. One last thing. Let's not act like the Bears are the best defense in the NFL. They've gotten a lot of points off of turnovers, but they lost Henry Melton, and they gave up, what, 500 yards to the Steelers? Mm-hmm. To the Steelers, who haven't moved the ball against anyone. However, that's it's not a, a fluke that they're an opportunistic defense. They did that last year, and some of it's they carried over. They did it over. in the first half of the season last year, but you can't rely on turnovers for, for 16 games. Right. Okay, if you guys want a real hero pick, those are kind of the fluky ones that you get lucky every once in a while with. I'll give you a real hero pick. I took the Buffalo Bills uh, to defend their home turf against the Baltimore Ravens. That's a hero pick. That's why they call me the champion of the underdog. That's why you call yourself <laughs> They're not that heavy underdogs. Yeah. I mean, he's off there. Well, you're like the Don King of yourself. Yeah, well, somebody's <laughs> got to do it, right? Uh, no, I, I really think, listen, EJ Manuel did not look good against the Jets, but as Mark, you said, the Jets have a great defensive line. They had him looking. He was confused. He was never comfortable. At this stage, I'm much more comfortable getting behind the Bills team when they're at home with the rookie quarterback. The Ravens, you know, I don't know quite what to make of the Ravens yet. I know they had a nice performance uh, against the Texans, at least defensively. Um, so I'm not ready to buy in on this Ravens team going into a tough road atmosphere and taking care of business. I, should, I shouldn't be that way. But, again, this is also not the same Ravens team that won road games in January. So I'm okay with saying I'm not ready to trust them on the road. This Ravens defense is so much better than they were last year. They look really good last year and the week before. And the Matt Elam putting him in the starting lineup paid off in a big way. It allowed Ahedabo to go play at the line of scrimmage. And Ahedabo made four or five tackles behind the line of scrimmage last year. And Elam, or last, last week, Elam played great in the secondary. I really like what the Ravens' defense has done. I got some good news and bad news for you, Dan. Last, last <laughs> podcast, you picked E.J. Manuel. Geno Smith and Terrell Pryor and asked us which quarterback we would take right now. Right. I think we all took Manuel. Is that right? Yes. I would change after rewatching the Jets Bills game. I would honestly switch my pick to Geno Smith, not by a lot, and oh, I don't boy. love any of them. But he, but here's the you're bad news for you again with two well, hands because your hero pick <laughs> is in trouble. I think because EJ Manuel. I think he had maybe six or seven really ugly overthrows where he seems to be like. 
he's trying to be almost safe yeah. and prevent the turnover, but he's not actually getting the ball anywhere near where a receiver can catch it. If he doesn't correct it against what I think is a really yeah, – Wes is right, an, an underrated defense, this could be ugly. I, I say Ravens. I think the case for Dan is that it's a defensive game, that the Bills' defense is pretty good this year. They look better. Overall, I think they've done more things. I think they have some talent up front and that it's a defensive game. I mean, the Ravens' offense did not look good against Houston. They haven't really looked good all season. And that it's a 13-10 you know, 10 type of game. All right. And uh, speaking of Greg, you took the Patriots of New England to take down the Atlanta Falcons on the road. That's pretty gutsy because the Pats aren't looking too hot, at least offensively still. And Atlanta needs this game. Well, let's not get carried away. It's a 3-0 and team against a 1-2 and team, and there's a lot that goes into those records, but it's not that good. <laughs> oh, come on. The Patriots had the best cake record you could, uh, cake schedule you could ever ask for to start a season. That, that's totally fair, but it, to me it's a, it's a coin flip game. And I do have a theory with these picks, and that's when you're making picks, the worst possible result that you can have is to pick against your team and then they win anyways. You just feel so stupid that, for me, the emotional pain that comes with that makes it so that I pretty much pick the Patriots every week unless they unless they were in Denver or Seattle at this point. Which is really risky, by the way. What? Yeah. Picking what? the Patriots well, every week. That's what I'm week. saying. But, uh, a guaranteed 750 winning percentage most seasons. I mean, what is it about <laughs> the Falcons that makes the Patriots some big underdogs? Their total lack of protection, their lack of pass rush. I mean, what is it? I'll make that case. In the Matt Ryan, Mike Smith era, they're as close to unbeatable as, at home as, as any team, including the Seahawks, over that span. Uh, they're, they haven't lost at home this year. They are two plays from being undefeated right now. They're not playing as bad as conventional wisdom says. Roddy White's getting healthier. If they get a little bit more improved play on the offensive line, maybe Tony Gonzalez runs a few more routes. I think this Falcons team is ready to go on a roll. And you're, I'm sure you're referencing the Falcons being unbeatable at home during the regular season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is an interesting t- test of the Patriots' defense because – we think they're better, but it's the first real offense they've played. So I, as a Patriots fan, I'm really curious to see how their secondary holds up because it seems like Kyle Arrington, you know, Alfonso Denard are playing really well, but I don't know if I really trust that. Uh, how do we know? <laughs> We're going to get to the rest of the games, but before that, we had promised our special guest. He is on the other side of the pond. He is a great man, great valor, <laughs> great broad shoulders, handsome Hank, Henry Hodgson. Hank! Hey, guys, how are you? Our supplemental draft correspondent and expert. Now our international correspondent. In London for the big showdown between the winless Pittsburgh Steelers and Minnesota Vikings. People getting pumped over there? They certainly are. We'll maybe sweep that under the table, their records at the moment, and just focus on their history of great. (laughs) What time is it there? And are we messing with your, your whole schedule here? Uh, you you aren't yet. No, it's seven thirty p.m. I have I have plans, but I managed to fit you in amongst my busy schedule. I know he has plans. Do you know? I'll tell you what. Henry and I are are, are friends. Uh, we hang out socially, and I will tell you this. I know Hen- Henry is happily married. He's got kids, but that guy is a legend in England. And I always tell Henry, I say, when that, whenever he goes back to London, especially when he's on his own. It must be a lot of fun because he goes back to the London office where he's a legend because he worked there for how many years, Hank? Um, I worked there for seven years. Seven I don't know years. where the story's going. But, and, then, uh, okay. and, then, and then he leaves London after seven years to go to, as they say, the States. And he, he takes a big job in America, the land of opportunity. 
you can only imagine what was going on in that office, the way they must look up to him. I can almost imagine, like, <laughs> Sean Payton, remember the Do Your Job banner that hangs hung over the practice facility last year? Big Hank, Do Your Job. And I also imagine, remember the receptionist in the office? She pines for Hank. He comes back, and she's like, wow. And she's like a mixture of Patsy Kensett and uh, Pam from the office. Is any of this accurate, Hank? Uh, only in your fevered imagination. <laughs> so were you at Steelers practice today? <laughs> Greg, I didn't go to trying practice. to get it back <laughs> on track. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate that. No, I didn't go to their practice. I, I went to their they, – they had no media availability at practice. Um, so I went to their press conference, which happened first thing this morning, literally immediately after they got off a transatlantic flight. So you can imagine there was the, the mixture that if any of you have traveled on those, those long flights, there's either the mixture of sheer exhaustion or deliriousness, if that's a word. Um, and, uh, and so the, the press conference was interesting. I have a real question, Hank. Do – do people care? Are people excited for real in England about this game? Yeah, I mean, I think if you, you know, when this game was announced, what, maybe 10 months ago now, um, people were really excited. These were two teams, obviously, that you know, last year the, the Vikings made the playoffs, although um, some of us were maybe surprised that they got there uh, with, with Christian Ponder at quarterback. The fact that they're both 0-3, I think, is disappointing now, and that's really been the story of a lot of these international games, that the teams have come in with a lot of promise, and then there's always been at least one which has flopped miserably. Um, you know, going back to the very first year when, when my Miami Dolphins arrived in London without a win and ended the season with only one of them. Um, but uh, I, I think people are genuinely excited. Look, the, part of it is if you only get to see one or two games a year now, um, you're excited about seeing stars. And uh, the truth is with Adrian Peterson and Ben Roethlisberger and, and a number of the other players on both teams, I think uh, fans here are excited about seeing some of the, the top players. And, and look, what, what's happened in other years is there's been mismatches. There's been one very bad team, as I said, and then one which has been pretty good. You know, the Patriots have come in and thumped the Buccaneers and Rams over the last three years. Uh, so at least I think, you know, that, that if I, you were trying to put a positive spin on it, there's, there's two games, two teams rather, who are pretty evenly matched. Henry, it sounds like what the league needs, and tell me if you agree, is to flex schedule teams to suddenly find out that they're being thrown into a London game. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be ideal. I'm sure that would go down just terrifically with coaches and, and players. So, hey, by the way, guys, next week you're playing in London. <laughs> <laughs> so, Henry, I know you know there's probably less excitement because they're winless, but then again. Matt Castle announced as the Vikings starter. Suddenly, there's the Matt Castle factor. Does that get them on the front of the papers? <laughs> that angle is huge. I mean. yeah, Matt Castle is a is a, a, a subculture hero in the UK. Well, do you do you do we think this game? Do we think it matters that Castle starting over Potter seriously? Does that change how you guys see this game at all? Not one iota. Not, not a bit. No, I mean, look. I, I think the game is. I think the game. I do think the game will be interesting. I, I, I favor the Vikings in, in this situation, but, um, but I, I think it's an interesting game. And I genuinely don't. You know, I don't think you should be too fixated on the fact that fans here are feeling disappointed. As I say, they have two games a year, and the second one is Jacksonville against San Francisco. So make of that what you will. I think people are. This game sold out within 24 hours. I think people are excited about what they're going to see on the field. And ultimately, someone's going to leave with a win. So that, that's good news. Hank was, um, I always get excited. I tweeted about this. Hank was a ATL correspondent, uh, wrote a nice little preview piece about what's going on in London right now. Hey, one other culture question, Hank. Are there, you know how 
in, I guess, L.A. here in New York, I know there are tons of, you know, soccer bars. Are there NFL bars in London? Uh, there are, it's funny, actually. Aditi Kinkabwala is over here for NFL Network, and she asked me if I could put, send her to a Steelers bar. And I said, <laughs> she'd be lucky to find an NFL bar, let alone a Steelers bar. There are a couple of places where fans, you know, within London, uh, uh, you know, I know of, that fans gather to watch games on Sunday nights. Um, you know, when they take place here, the games kick off at 6 p.m. and 9 p.m., those, those two, uh, what we in L.A. call the early games. Um so there are a couple of bars that, that fans go to, but there certainly are places where you can you know, mix with other Steelers fans alone and, and, and no one else. I went to some bar. I think I was there in 99 or 2000. It was the Saints' ever first playoff game with Jim Hazlitt, and that place was rocking for some action. Definitely. Ram Saints. <laughs> I, I would I'd wager it was called the Sports Cafe, which is I, sort of a, a, big, a big London um Sports venue. That, that was it. Way, to, way yes. to go out on a limb with the name Sports Cafe. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it does what it says on the tin. Um, Hank, uh, we'll let you go because, uh, like I said, you're you're a hero back there, a conquering hero returning. Exactly. Patsy Kent is waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> what is? What are your plans tonight? Are you like hanging out with Lily Allen, or what, what's happening exactly? <laughs> Yeah, first of all, Lily Allen, and then, you know, I haven't seen um, seen some of those other uh, UK celebrities whose names I can't remember. The Gallaghers. So <laughs> the Gallaghers and I will be will definitely be, be hanging out. And the guy, the, the annoying comedian guy, the tall, gangly one with the long hair. Oh, the comedian Gallagher that busts watermelons? <laughs> no, 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 no. The guy, you know, I can't remember his name. Mr. Bean? Mr. Bean, that's it. <laughs> all right, okay. Uh, Rowan, Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. All right. No, no, not really. Hank, enjoy yourself. You are an icon on your native soil, and that has to be exciting. It's like how that Mark feels exciting. in America. A, a little bird. bit like that, exactly. Yeah. All right, Henry, thank you for being our correspondent, and uh, come back soon. I will do. Great to speak to you guys. Enjoy the games this weekend. All right, say hi to the receptionist. <laughs> I will. All right, later. Yeah. Bye. Handsome Hank. Clearly at a British pub. Trying to mask he, that. He seemed a little distracted. Uh, I'm not going to get it. I just don't know. You know, he did a great job, but it se- sounded like a guy who was ready for a big night. He just needed to knock this out. Because I believe it's like 8 p.m. where he is right now. I think they teach you that in host school. Right after the guest leaves, do not, you know, make fun of him. <laughs> I didn't make fun <laughs> of him. He distracted, but that's okay. <laughs> no, thank you very much, Handsome Mac. Okay, so uh, we, cover- we covered that game, Pittsburgh, Minnesota. Uh, we all took or the did Steelers, we? by the way. Yeah. Just- so Hank would have had a hero pick if he counted. And by the way, all our picks you could find on the Around the League blog in our weekly post. Uh, Kevin Patra uh, had the worst record this week, so he wrote the intro, so, intro, so check that out. All right, let's get into the rest of the games and then get out of here. Uh, Mark Sessler, uh, tell us a little bit about Cincinnati and Cleveland. Well, I think it's two good defenses uh, going up against each other, and yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one to, for Cleveland to win. I think that Brian Hoyer, after last week, there may be some heightened expectations where he's bound to come back down to earth against a really a much better defense. So uh, we'll see. I, I honestly, I pick Cleveland, but that was that was a feeling that I'm not feeling so good about at this point. Yeah, the Chud redemption angle was nice last week. Um, after everyone basically thought the Browns would go in the tank. But nothing in Cleveland that is nice lasts for long. You are a factory of sadness! <laughs> How about that defensive line, though? Desmond Bryant's they looking like... They do have a... That's, that's the hope, that if they play the way that they kind of have in each game, to be honest, that could be uh, tough for Cincinnati. Because I, I do still feel with the Bengals, if they don't get that A.J. Green connection going, 
they have to go somewhere else, and if it isn't one of their young players, Eifert or Bernard, it's it's going to be a problem for them. I don't know where John Hughes came from exactly, but he's been playing great. He came from the mighty Holmgren front office. Didn't he direct Home Alone? <laughs> he is, uh, yes, the name. But he's kind of come out of nowhere. He's playing great. Kruger's playing great. I like the Browns in this game. Okay, uh, I'll I'll talk a little bit about the Colts in Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville, we're all on the 0-16 watch at this point, right? This is possible. This could happen. Blaine Gabbert is back in the lineup. Get excited, Jacksonville. I don't think it's going to make any difference. The Colts are – I could see a little bit of a letdown for the Colts after such a great win in San Francisco last week, but I cannot imagine any scenario whereby the Jaguars beat them. Ahmad Bradshaw, neck injury, is not expected to play. Has he been rolled out? He's officially mm-hmm. out for this game, so we're going to see. see uh, we're going to see how good Trent Richardson is because he's going to get. Uh, you would think he would get at least twenty carries in this game. Yeah, how about four yards of carry from Trent today uh, on Sunday Good against a bad a lot, team? Dan. Listen, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars defense improved, but not necessarily NFL level. I wouldn't be that shocked though if they played Donald Brown a lot and still split it up somewhat, just because Richardson's new there. He is new, yeah, and. The, the case for the Jaguars here is that the Colts kind of keep it close to the vest, so maybe it could be a defensive game, but I still don't see it. Hey, Wes, is there any chance the Giants get things together winless going into Kansas City to play the undefeated Chiefs? Against everything I've seen on film this year, I have picked the Giants in this game. Right. Chiefs why, why did you guys do that? A few people picked the Giants. It's just hard to believe that the Eli Coughlin Giants are going to be truly 3-13 and 13 dreadful, and at some point they need to win – and, you know, the Chiefs, a very good defense, suspect offense. Maybe they this is their win just to get on the board. That's why I pick them. You know, I it's the bunker mentality, basically. I think the Giants will – this week is – I mean, are you going to pack it in and quit on the season, or are you going to come up and play, and play well against a quarterback who I think, frankly, just isn't playing well? Um, there are a lot of media members pumping up Alex Smith, and I hate what I see from him right now. So I don't – I don't have any problem picking against Alex Smith. I'm with Wes. I picked the Giants, and I, it's one of those ones that I'm looking back on. I'm saying, why did I do this? Because, frankly, the idea that New York finally might get that running game going, it couldn't come at a worse time. Kansas City, you know, DeMarco Murray, we saw what he did against the Rams. He couldn't get to the outside against the Chiefs, and you can't get anything up the middle with Don Terry Poe. And it's like, David Wilson, it could be four straight weeks of – a really underwhelming performance. I him. hear you on the seasons on the line theory, but wasn't that it last week? That was why I picked them last week, and I and I saw one of the worst performances any team's had in years. It just seems like you got to trust what you see at some point, and the Chiefs have been pretty good. I have no problem saying the Chiefs are a much better team than the Giants. I've got a Sessler. <laughs> <laughs> That's our new word for feeling, by the way, down in, down in the newsroom. I, I thought that I know what you're saying, Greg, and I, I agree. I mean, w- that was a awful showing by the Giants in Carolina, Carolina, but that was also one of those Murphy Law type games. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong there, and I'm willing to kind of maybe throw that out and give them another shot. But I'll tell you what, if they because I picked them three weeks in a row now, if if they four weeks in a row actually, Jesus. If they burn me again, I'm out on the Giants. And by wrong, you mean their offensive line is wrong, their entire sec, other players are wrong, everything's wrong. <laughs> well, one of us picked them to go six and ten. So, woo, Sizzler, the Sizzler. All right, uh, Mark. Mike Lennon makes his NFL debut. He's taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Bucks need a win. What do you see there? I picked the Cardinals in this. I think it's the more talented uh, football team overall. I like Tampa's defense, but. Uh, 
I don't know. Anytime you have to throw a rookie, I think Glennon, obviously the guy's got a, a cannon of an arm, but a lot of the issues with Glennon from what we've heard from the draft guys before he was taken by, by Tampa is that he, he has a lot of the same issues that, that uh, Freeman and a lot of other troubled quarterbacks have. It's a lot to ask him to come in and fix it and have a, a game when they said they're going to unleash him, not just have him manage the thing. Arizona's a well-coached team. I, I believe they're going to win this game. After pointing out for four years that Josh Freeman is overrated, I can't believe that I have become the media's Josh Freeman defender this week. <laughs> he didn't play badly last week. Their receivers uh, dropped five or six balls. By the end of the game, he was throwing to Eric Page, Kevin Ogletree, and some character named Tim Wright, who I've never even heard of. <laughs> These are the people Glennon's going to be throwing to this week. Uh, Jackson and, and Williams were... Limited in practice today, finally, after not showing up the last two days. We don't know. Both what, questionable. They're questionable. We don't know if they're going to play, what capacity they'll be at if they do play. I don't see how the Bucks' offense is going to pull themselves out of this tailspin. There are two ways to look at Mike Lennon, that he was the third quarterback picked in the entire draft or that he's a third-round pick. And, you know, listen, it worked with Russell Wilson last year, but typically a, a quarterback that goes in the third round doesn't get thrown into the fire immediately and become an effective player. So... You know, it's kind of a Hail Mary by the Bucks, And I agree, Wes. I mean, Freeman obviously got railroaded out of town on this. And uh, I don't know. It seems a little short-sighted to me to now turn it all, turn it all over to Free, th- turn it all over to Glennon. I guess they, they have to make a move here. They gotta, they're desperate, but it could backfire, certainly. There I, is one other way to look at Glennon. As one of my Twitter followers pointed out, he, he's a bit of a cartoon giraffe. That's one way of looking at him. Ouch. So that is a good thing, or <laughs> sees over the line. Just very another easily. way of looking at him. I took yeah. the Bucks because I thought their defense is the best group in this entire game. So I don't. It's the only thing I really like about these two teams right now. And that takes us to our last game: Greg Washington Redskins zero and three. They go to Oakland to take on the Raiders. And I have a hero pick in this game, but it has an asterisk next to it. I took the Raiders, but we're allowed to change our picks. If the quarterback changes and we want it, and, and it's crazy to think that I have so much faith in Terrell Pryor <laughs> that uh, if he doesn't play, I don't think the Raiders are going to win this game. But if he does play, I give him a good chance, and, and they're my pick. So as we're taping this, we don't know for sure whether he's playing or not, but he was out there on Friday after some reports suggesting he won't play, and he was out there taking some first-team snaps. And I think their defense is better than the Redskins' defense. And I, I think Terrell Pryor is a guy that could make some plays against the Redskins. If it's Matt Flynn, I've just, I've just kind of lost any faith I ever had in Matt Flynn. Wait, so we all signed off on you can just change your pick? Is that how we We had that as a rule last year. <laughs> and I, that to me seems fair because otherwise, because how could you know? A quarterback is, you know. We make our picks on Wednesday before we know. I thought Pryor is probably going to play in this game, and that that was a big thing. And Matt, doesn't Matt Flynn scare you all? Perhaps it's time for a rule change. You scared Pete Carroll and Dennis Allen. I would argue that uh, Dan didn't know that Bradford wasn't going to play last night. (laughs) He didn't play, did he? (laughs) Um, Should we do a rule change going forward? Listen, you know what you're dealing with going in to Wednesday when you have to have those picks. And not, not retroactive. Going forward, perhaps. No, I like this rule. What's wrong with it? Because I don't know. Just the hero picks are. It's a. It's, but I'm it's changing holy out of ground. I'm changing out of one, anyways. Seems I just, a little John Carryish. 
Wes gets political. <laughs> so you guys think that the Redskins are just going to steamroll in this game? Well, I I picked the – I'm not going to let you just say that the Raiders have a better defense than the Redskins after seeing the Redskins played against the Packers, the Eagles, and who else did the Redskins play against? The Lions. Three of the better offenses. So I don't think that you get to say that the Raiders just have a better defense. Will Chris Wessling eat his softball pants? Yeah. Yeah, Willie. You know, I after hearing all of our plans that maybe we can get Greg's wife. <laughs> Greg's wife is a chef of some renown. <laughs> if we can get her involved and make all these dishes with, like, the softball pants as a topping, I, I don't even care if the Raiders win eight games. And <laughs> as far as we know, Greg's wife has no uh, feelings for Les Snead. Which is good. <laughs> <laughs> the Raiders are spunky, and if they're gonna win, uh, if, they like if their, you're gonna eat lumpy. your softball pants, this is one of those games you gotta win. You're at home against a winless team. Right, it's a big one. I think RG three though he's has looked better each week, and he's not the guy from. I think mo- last time most people saw RG three was that Monday night opener, and he looked. It he's was depressing. Come a long way. He has, and you're you're right. Uh, the Redskins, you know, have a. This is a must win for them. I agree with Greg, though. I almost went hero. It would have not been a hero. I like what I've seen from Oakland. I really do. They're an incomplete team, but it's hard to pick against them in a game like this because they've been really scrappy. I go back to that Colts game. All right. We got to get out of here. That's it. We're out of time. We could just keep going. We could go on in perpetuity, but we won't. Um, Okay. So... Uh, just a couple of little housekeeping. I just want to uh, call attention to some things we have on the site right now. Uh, Greg and Mark, you wrote the uh, what to watch for in week four. That that was good stuff. I enjoyed that. Wes, you had that takedown, the Mark Ingram uh, false reports of a, a trade request where you went after a, a certain national writer. I enjoyed that. I did not go <laughs> after a national Dan, writer. Dan, you didn't even read I did. our piece. I said, oh, I enjoyed your piece. The couch game? I did game? not go after a writer. It was a uh, pet peeve about people who do not understand what a report is. No, I try. <laughs> yes, that's true, Wes. I, re- I read your piece very closely. Why are you getting on me? I'm trying to plug your piece, Mark, and you won't, and you won't let me do it for you. I just want to stay real with the listener. You, di- you obviously did not even read what we wrote. <laughs> Whatever. All right. The ATL end around with Badger from Breaking Bad, Matt Jones. Also, that will be up Friday. Uh, thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Around the League podcast on iTunes or wherever you can do such things. Uh, leave comments. Rate us properly. Uh, you know, just do all the things to support the podcast because um, we really like doing this. And if you don't, they'll take this away from us. I'm just laying <laughs> it out there. But uh, we do got to get out of here. Uh, Stan Hans is signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, K. Rich behind the glass, and Lyle the intern. We will see you on Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.